You know you can have fun when you worship God, right? There are some songs that we do that are very deep and contemplative, and and we kind of, you know, we often bow our heads and we close our eyes, just like we tell the kids to pray. And it's, you know, kind of that close, uh, very, very touching connection with God. There are other times when we're just we're just shouting out to God, and some of, some of our singing sounds like shouting, right, if we're honest. But we're just shouting out to God, God, we love you and praise you and kind of give all that we have. Thanks for, thanks for entering into that time of worship that way. Um, right now, as we're getting ready to move into uh, kind of a sharing time, it is time for Waterway 2-5. And so I'd like to invite kids that are in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. So second to fifth grade. If you guys could join me here for just a minute, um, I'm going to... Going to bless you as a guy. Joey, way to go. The first one here. You win. Three gold stars for you. Kyle, make sure he gets three gold stars when he gets home. All right. You get, Logan, you get one gold star for trying. That was a good effort there at the end. I like that. I like that. I'll give out the stars, okay? Okay. (laughs) Hey, I'm glad you guys are here. Before you go, though, I want to I tell you about something that's going on. Like after you go out and while you're having Waterway 2.5, I'm going to be doing a sermon in here. So I'm going to talk to people about some things that are in the Bible. But if you'll look right over here be, to these two gentlemen in the front row. These are my friends, Sid and Tony. And uh, they, that could be like a comedy act, couldn't it? Like Sid and Tony. That sounds good. These guys are here. They work, they work for a place called Global Disciples. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Global Disciples, but Global Disciples, it's a, it's a ministry in Lancaster. It's not a church or anything like that, but it's a ministry in Lancaster, and they help people all around the world. I think they have friends in like 62 different countries or something like that. They help people all around the world learn about Jesus, and then those people that live all around the world and speak all kinds of different languages and live in all kinds of different places, those people then can tell all their neighbors and all the friends and all the peoples in their town about Jesus. And so these guys are here today to tell us about that because we've been praying for them this month here in May, and we're going to give them our part of our offering and that kind of thing. But I just wanted to let you guys say, say hello to Sid and Tony. Say hi. hi. There you go. So that's what they're about. They're going to be telling us some really good stories, and here's the challenge. When you go home today, in the car, while everything is still fresh, whoever's driving the car make sure that you have them tell you at least one of the stories that Sid is going to tell today. That'll help the grown-ups listen extra well. They might even take notes. But, all right, you hear what I'm saying, Caleb? Like, whoever's driving on the way home, tell them, hey, tell me a story. What did Sid say? Because there's some amazing stuff. There's some amazing stuff that God is doing. And now all you parents are on your toes. All right? You know what we do before we go to Waterway 2-5, right? Just like the little kids. I know you guys are big kids and you have your own way of doing things, but I like to pray with my hands together, my eyes bowed. Yeah, my head bowed, my eyes closed. Jesus, I thank you for these boys and girls, these second through fifth graders. I thank you for how much they love you, and I thank you that they're here with us today. God, as they go to Waterway 2-5, help them to learn something about you and help them to learn how much you love them. Bless their teachers as they do their thing and help these guys to realize how important they are to all of us here at Waterway Church. Lord, we love you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have fun out there, all right? And so today, as was, uh, as was kind of mentioned and alluded to, we have these two gentlemen with us in the front row. Um, Sid Fry is from Global Disciples. He's been here with us before. Uh, well, not here with us, but he's been at Media Mennonite Church with us before and has shared a little bit. Uh, today, his driver is Tony Snyder. Um, a lot of you can play the Mennonite game, and you belong to this family and that one, and I always have to sit on the side. Well, Tony and I play the Brethren game. He grew up uh, just a couple years older than me at the Mechanic Grove Church of the Brethren, and so our families knew each other and still do. And, and um, if any of you are familiar with K&S Farm Equipment, um, that was his father's company, and, and so there's a little bit of a connection for those of you who just like to know who these people are. Um, Sid's going to tell you a little bit about his own story, and, or it's, it's really not your story, it's God's story, yeah. and you've gotten to observe it. Should yep. I say it that way? Yep, that's perfect. And Sid is here even though he's struggling with a broken hip today. You well, told me, is it a broken hip? When is that you right? set this up, you said, well, Sid, break a hip, didn't you? You know, like when you're... Well, let me tell you, we have, <laughs> we have about 94 people in this room right now uh-huh. who have either been through a knee surgery or back surgery oh, okay. All right. or now, shoulder then. surgery in the last, like, year. And okay. so we've got lots of folks that are going to pray for you. Before you speak, okay. we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your heart. 
that God touches you. Mm. We're going to pray for your mouth that God allows you to speak. And what we didn't do the first service that we should have, we're going to pray for your hip too. You can do that too. Because yeah. I think you know that if God wills it, amazing things can happen. Yeah. So we're just going to pray for it because maybe that would strengthen our faith. That's great. Does that sound okay? Absolutely. Lord, I thank you for my brother Sid, and I thank you for... Thank you for the organization, the family that he's representing here today. Thank you for Global Disciples. Lord, it is our privilege to be able to support Global Disciples. It is our privilege to be able to hear now from Sid and from Tony and just to know what you're up to. God, I pray for Sid's heart that you'd speak to him in a way that just lights him on fire. I pray that you would anoint his lips to speak exactly what needs to be said. Lord, help us to have open ears to hear it. And Lord, I pray for a blessing in his body, especially with his hip, with his leg, with his muscles, tendons, flesh, bone, everything that is there. Lord, you know far more what's going on there than I do, and even more than Sid knows. Lord, please heal him. If it be your will, this is our request. God, we love you, and we know and believe that you're capable of everything. In this moment, in this moment, give him fullness of life that he needs to do what you need him to do. Lord, we'll praise you no matter what. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Well, each of you have known a little bit of a change in our world over the last 18 months or something like that, I'm assuming. And that has happened internationally as well. And it's opened up opportunities for God to work in some ways that I'm going to have the privilege of sharing a couple of stories. Um, Global Disciples, uh, I've been working for 20 20 years um, with Global Disciples. When I started with them, there were about 15 or 20, 25 programs around the world, and we were working in probably seven or eight countries at that point. Um, Multiplication is a part of our model. And um, so, how many, who would, who would want to take a guess at how many programs there may be now 20 years later? Somebody, you can't, Tony, sorry, you can't. Um, who, would, who would like to say, um, or, or you tell me when to stop, okay? So, 500? 1,000? What, do you want to give me the thumbs up or the where, where do you want me to stop? 1,500? There's two people with faith here. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, there's over 2,000 programs, and we're in about 67 countries around the world. Um, but, you know, God's blessed us with uh, depth over the course of of the years that we have had these program leaders and we had two or three facilitators um, working, uh, that we've been able to watch these people thrive as program directors, thrive, move into facilitator role, head facilitator, country rep kind of things. We now have about 150 um, international staff persons now living around the world. And they are shepherding and encouraging and blessing and helping to train in these 2,000 plus programs. Um, Before we we go to the video here, uh, one one of the stories that I love to share um, was a very much of a COVID-related scenario, and it was in Uganda. Um, There was a... uh, Four persons, there was a, three women and a man who uh, were acting mad. And so the assumption was these people are suffering from COVID. So they took them to the hospital um, and the doctors checked them. They said, this is not a medical issue. This is a spiritual thing. They need prayer. So they took the four and they, they went over to uh, the facilitator of, the, of this program that was there. And all of her persons that actually were out sharing and they said, we need you to come and pray for these guys. And uh, so she got some intercessors to join her and they went back and began to pray about for these, uh, these four individuals. Well, in that part of the 
country, you can't have more than four people in a group at that point because of COVID. So it's illegal. So the police come and the police say, wait, wait, no, 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 you can't, what are you doing? And they said, well, look, we, <laughs> we need to pray for them. This isn't a medical thing, we need to pray for them. And the policeman finally said, okay, well, then we're gonna stay around. And they began to watch and they prayed for them and the, the email, they said, we prayed for them for an hour and 33 minutes. And one by one, these persons came back to normalcy. Well, several of the policemen gave their lives to faith in Christ as a result of God's work in there that way. Yeah. I hope you can be able to do that again too. Um, So these, several of the wives came to faith in Christ of these policemen as well. This is the, the rest of the story. For those of you who are way too young for, for uh, yeah, Paul Harvey, sorry, but the, the, the rest of the story, um, several of these wives, and one of these wives had, had been in this habit. She would make this warunga drink, which was alcoholic drink, take it down to the police station every day, and they could sit in there in the afternoon and pass the bottle around and benefit from that. Well, they started asking her. They said, well, hey, where's the Rorungi? She said, oh, no, I'm not going to bring that anymore. I'm going to bring Jesus. Sharing with them instead. So that was a little bit of the backstory there. Um, I'm going to have uh, them share a video clip here that shows some of the mu- multiplication, the impact of, of how... Uh, Uh, some of the aspects of global. This would be about the small business development. This is not rocket science. It's simple, basic principles that we can teach. One of the things in that is we teach, uh, and in India, one of the things is they don't, holy people don't work. That's just, it's it's a sin according to many, and that's many Protestants as well. That's not just the the Hindu um, persons. And um, so they, one of the things they teach is say, look, this is Peter worked. In fact, God worked for, you know, he created the, he worked, he, he made the earth. And, and, and uh, anyway, walk through some of the, the t- teaching there. And uh, I will tell you, this guy speaks a language that you and I don't, okay? At least I don't. I don't maybe somebody's been in India, but this guy is in his language, and it's not translated, but it is in text underneath. So if you want to know what's happening and what he's saying, don't try to understand him, just read the text, okay? Um, and some of that, you have to, it's a little, you have to keep after it a little bit, but so we'll, we'll go ahead with that, and uh, they, they will give us a, a little bit of a taste over the next couple minutes here on that.
you will have seen that, that they've, it talks about least reached, okay? This is not, uh, it, is, it is significant that people from other countries, including America, can go to some of these places. When I started 20 years ago, there was 1.1 billion unreached people. Now, since we're doing all this work, there's now 2.5 billion people who are still unreached because that's where many of these persons are out in remote areas, small group, people groups. Um, and so it, it, our, our four-wheel drives probably won't even go to some of those places if we're there. We can still help to do that. We believe in equipping the local worker to be able to go. Now, I would like somebody to tell me what's the difference between uh, a definition of a believer or a disciple? Okay. That, he got it, I think. Yeah, we'll take that. That's, a, that's average, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> a believer is someone who believes in Jesus. A disciple is someone who goes and makes disciples who makes disciples who makes disciples. And that's really what our heart is for us to be able to continue to work. Um, sorry, I just got to get into the storyline here because there's still three stories I have to tell you. Um, and I hate to eat all of Jesse's time, um, but he's pretty generous with that on, on mornings that I come here. So anyway... Um, this is one of the places in, in uh, I'm not 100% sure, I think it was maybe Uganda. And uh, there was uh, a man, he was a witch in that, very, very powerful. Um, everybody feared for him because of his, the mystic powers that he carried. And he had equally, I mean, he, he put curses and killed many people even with those curses, okay? And he said, no Christians are gonna come here they will go mad or they will die if they come into our town. A director and two church planners went to that town and they began to reach out there and it went two, three days. No impact, nothing happened. Well, on the fifth day, this guy starts looking at his herbs and his plants and his things that he used to put cast stuff and this stuff is dying. So he went and he came to the to service that they had and he confessed that Jesus is greater than the, than, than the spirit that he worships. And so he confessed and they burned his pile of, of uh, stuff there in, in that town. He's now actually, this is a couple years after, he is now preaching and uh, teaching as a pastor in that area. Has many of these, many of the witch doctors and things like that that are around carry incredible power, spiritual impact over the regions. And when they are led to faith in Christ, they continue to impact and they can bring many people to faith in Christ. Um, Ali was a uh, Muslim uh, teacher, uh, was a doctor, studied the doctrines of Quran and, and was, uh, taught those, and this was in, the, in Ethiopia. And uh, he uh, um, came to faith in Christ, and it was during COVID, and so he realized, I can't go out to different villages. So he began in his town, going to different areas in the town, and he f led five women to faith in Christ. Those five women, he discipled, and then turned them loose. Three months later, they had each had a, had a um, congregation or a, or a, or a church in their, in their home or in their area, and they were numbered in the hundreds of people that were within those five. And they... 
you know, their impact in the community with kids and other families, they have huge capacity to be able to share that um, and led many, many people to faith in Christ. Um, the one I will end with here um, was in a high caste uh, area in India um, that uh, director they had praying about reaching this area. And uh, one of the men went to this area and stopped in, a, uh, in, in town and was beginning to share in one of the houses. And shortly, uh, a bunch of men gathered outside and basically they drug him out into the street and were pounding him on with, with the beating him with sticks. And um, finally the leader of that whips out his big knife and he says, we're going to kill you because you shouldn't be teaching this. And, um, and he said, so what's your last wish? Oh, well, <laughs> I'd want to I'd want a fast, uh, you know, motorcycle to get, it, get out of here, right? But uh, no, he, he said, I want to pray for five minutes. And um, began to pray for these men standing around him. Prayed for their families. Holding them up to God. And uh, when he was done, the leader said, well, this Jesus, does he, does he heal people? And he said, yeah, they can. He can. And he said... Um, well, my wife hasn't been able to walk for days. She can't get out of bed. She's in such pain. So let's go to my house and maybe you can pray. And then maybe we won't kill you. And um, so he went, he prayed for this lady and she was instantly healed. Um, this man gave his life to faith in Christ at that point. This is a radical Hindu, um, a radical. And again, others that were there gave their faith to Jesus Christ in that. And um, he didn't, uh, this, this man is now, at this point, is now pastoring the church that was built in that, in, in, in that village because of that. And... Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, it's great for us to, to uh, hear those stories. And, and as I was in the, in the youth or in, in the, in the class, Sunday school class over there, um, you know, often uh, they talk about, uh, you know, pray for God's appointments where you can go. And, and many, many times and, and across, particularly where witchcraft is one of the things that is across parts of Asia, or um, yeah, Asia and Africa. Um, one of our facilitators, he was actually one of the earliest ones, and he said, you know, so we often, we will go um, look at the city where we're, or the town that we're, God's calling us to go to, and then we sit on the mountain and we pray over them, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray until God says, you can come. And then they go, and when they go into those places, they often go to the, to the, to the witchcraft, the, the witch doctor. And they say, so is there someone in your family, you know, that you haven't been able to heal? And he says, there's all the darkness around these people that almost always that's the case. And he says, can we pray for that person in the name of Jesus? They pray for them, come to faith in Christ out of that because they're healed, come to faith in Christ there. They have the dominion over that area in the spirit. God uses them often, maybe not them per se, but maybe it's their son or somebody who actually inherits some of those things and to be able to, to, to work in that way. I've got one more. Sorry. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, do? do? You want to? The <laughs> there was a when I talk about that. There was a there was a, a city a, a town in in Nepal that they had tried to reach. Um, it was a it was a 
this was a Muslim area. Um, and they had tried to go to this town several times and just never could, never could approach anybody there. So finally, they, they team set up on top of outside of town where they could see it out over the way and began to pray over it and prayed for a number of days. And then the Holy Spirit said, okay. And they were praying for a person of peace. So they began to go into town and uh, on the street, there was a man who was uh, crippled. So he would scrooch himself along by pushing him with his hands and... Um, and uh, when they went in, he, they said, um, he said, so what, what do you want? He said, well, you know, we'd like to come into your thing and share with people here. And he said, okay, you can come to my house. And he took them. Now, what they found out is this guy is also the chief in this town of, the, of this. And he said, I don't, need your God, but you can do the things that you want. And so the course of the next, I think it was about two weeks, they went around town and they would share with people. And always this chief was always out on the fringes out there. And they experienced persons with healing and, and salvation and things like that in, in town. And the last morning they were sitting in a circle and just debriefing together and, and um, here comes the priest, or the, the chief, walks into the room. Oh, yeah, he walked into the room. And he said, um, last night as I was laying, he said, I prayed, God, would you heal me if you are real? And he said, I can now use my feet. And... Anyway, you can choose all of those four or five to your kids if you would like, but praise God how he is at work. Um, he can work in our communities as well. Uh, somebody asked me once, you know, why don't we see persons raised from the dead here? And I said, when did you pray for one? You know, that could be one of the reasons is how many people will do it. But, and I'm not saying that we should, but I'm saying if God puts that on your heart to do, to pray for someone sick, to do that, God can work through each of us and many of us. So thank you. Thank you, by the way, for your generosity as well and your investing in this work. So, Well, it's, it's been our privilege um, as a congregation to work alongside you guys uh, for years. And so it's exciting stuff to be able to to be able to hear what's going on, I mean, we have a lot of things that are happening here around us, church, that we may not recognize. I mean, how many of you, without some of the medical and doctor interventions that you've had, how many of you would be dragging yourself along on the ground, but now you're walking? Are you thinking of that as healing? Do you realize what God is doing? But thanks so much for, for the stories and just reminding us that God is at work. And, and some of these stories, I mean, these are current, real stories. This isn't you know, hundreds of years ago, it, it, is a, it is a place far, far away, but it's not so long, long ago. And um, praise God that he's still at work that way and, and that we can still expect that amazing things will happen even though uh, we can't very often predict how they will go. Uh, church, I don't know what your exact calling is. I don't know how God is going to use each of us. Maybe it'll be in some dramatic way that takes you around the world speak with those of a different language to encourage them in a faith they've never heard of before. Maybe it's just your job to stay at home and speak to the people who speak your language, who've never listened before. Uh, but we all have something that we can do. Um, just a quick note, I forgot to put it in the announcements this morning. Um, one thing that you can do to help serve uh, on Thursday, this Thursday, May 20th, we have uh, the opportunity to serve at the, um, at the MCC Resource Center. Um, up at Ephrata. So Glenn and Eileen are, are going to be going up there on Thursday. Raise your hands, guys, just in case somebody doesn't know. Glenn and Eileen are here in the middle. If you'd like to go along on Thursday, there's an opportunity to do that, to serve the world, love the world in a really hands-on way. Um, and it's good for the kingdom because people receive these goods and they receive these things that they need. And, and with that 
material resource comes the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, tell them about the Lord, and help them learn about salvation. So you've heard a little bit about um, what's going on, and I have a little bit of time left, and I'm going to take it, because today um, I want to talk with you about Hebrews chapter 13. We've been working through Hebrews ever since the beginning of January. We went through the first 12 chapters, and some of you uh, have gotten that feeling of just how heavy some of it is. Have you walked out of here at all in 2021 and said, wow, that little chunk of the Bible is kind of deep, and what do I do with that? And it seems very theoretical, some of it. Um, Hebrews has just been telling us that Jesus Christ is supreme. That's been the message of the last five months. Jesus Christ, it's better than the old Jewish system of religion. It's better than any human that's ever been born. It's better than any, uh, any system of gods that might have been set up in a local village or in a region or an area. Jesus Christ is supreme to all of that. And the writer of Hebrews, as inspired by God, gives all kinds of arguments about why that is the case. And then here in the very last chapter of the book of Hebrews, here in chapter 13, there is this long list of encouragements in my Bible and the NIV study Bible says this list of concluding exhortations. An exhortation is just a, a super strong encouragement for somebody to do something. It's an urging, a pleading almost. And it reminds me of when I was young, um, a, a young pastor, I had a, a pastoral mentor and he said to me, um, one time I was visiting somebody, I said, wow, that, that kind of got to be a long conversation. And that pastor told me, he said, the longest conversations will happen when you have your hand on the doorknob. The longest conversations, you, you've said, well, it's time for me to go. You know, I gotta, and you get up and, and, hey, one more thing. I, I, how many of you have had conversations like that? You're getting ready to leave grandma's house and you think you've gotten all the chores done. And you get to the, what, while you're here, could you help me out? Well, this, this chapter 13 feels a lot like, hey, while we're here, because the writer of Hebrews just sums up so many things, and we're only going to cover six verses today, but there is a pile of stuff in here to think about. So let's dive in. Verse number one, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now remember, these are Hebrew people that are being written to. They have Jewish background. They have a Jewish understanding of the world. Many of them now believe in Jesus Christ, but some do not. And so the writer of Hebrews has been urging them, believe in Jesus, okay? And so there's this word. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Well, that can be, if you're a Jewish person, you might hear that as keep on loving your Jewish brothers and sisters. That's one way to think about it. Now, for those of us who are believers, if I say to you, keep on loving your brothers and sisters, you might think of people who are biologically, genetically, your brothers and sisters, we might also think of the people in this room, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So a very broad statement, but it, it packs a wallop. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Just in case we're not sure, what does it mean to love someone? Well, we can go all through Scripture and preach sermon after sermon, lesson after lesson about what it means. But I've got four things for you if you want to keep these in mind this week and if you want to keep these in mind in these six verses. How do we love somebody? Number one, you're concerned for their welfare. If I love you, I'm thinking about you. What's good for you? Number two, if I love somebody, I'm going to show my concern by ministering to their needs. It's not just, well, what do you need? You know, what do you need, Sid? Oh, you're not walking very well today. You, I see you've got your crutches. That's a shame. No, I, can I get you a stool? Can I hold the door for you? Can I grab you a cup of coffee? Love is recognizing somebody else's needs. Love is doing what you can to meet those needs in ministry. Number three, what does it look like to love someone? It means that you take every advantage the opportunities that you have to be in fellowship with them. You spend time with each other. You build a relationship. That's part of love. And the fourth thing that I'm just going to think about today that I'm encouraging you to think about, love means that I take every opportunity I have to share my faith with that person. If I love them, I recognize their needs. I do what I can to meet those needs. I spend time with them. And I share things of faith with them, whether they know Jesus or not. Right? That's what we're talking about with love. And the writer of Hebrews says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. If that's not enough, verse number two goes a little further. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. So we talked about brothers and sisters, right? Whether that's in the context of fellow Jews or fellow Christians, this is a little broader. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. What does that mean? We go through the Old Testament. There are stories of, of angels who look like humans showing up at, at the door and knocking and People have served them, and God has done amazing things through them. If you need a list of references, talk to me. I'll give you a list of a couple really cool stories of people who were entertaining angels. But the message here is very clear. Don't forget, show hospitality to strangers. Your love is not just for those people you know or those people who are like you. Your love is for the people you don't even know, 
You don't know what they're like because they're strangers. Love them. Love them. I think of people who have those frontline service jobs. I think of people like EMTs and doctors and nurses. They have strangers in front of them all the time. They don't get to say, well, I'm not going to operate on this one. I don't know this guy. What do you say? Whoever's here, I'm going to take care of them. This is what love does. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Verse number three. I know we're moving quickly, but you get this, right? I mean, this is deep, but it's not so complex. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The writer of Hebrews with his hand on the door, you know, just getting ready to wrap up this letter. The margins are getting small. He's writing, writing close. He says, by the way, love each other as sisters and brothers. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Now, for those who are in prison, don't forget them. Think of them as if you were together with them. Pray for them. Love them. If they have a need that you can meet, meet that need. If there's a way for you to share your faith with them, share your faith with them. It's why we support a group called Onesimus Prison Ministries, so that we can help to reach out to those who are in prison. We're told here basically in verse 3 to think about those who might not be right in front of us. They're locked away in prison. They might even be <clears throat> bad people. Maybe that's why they're in jail. Maybe they did. How many of us are tempted? Well, they probably deserved it, didn't they? Well, if they wouldn't have done what they did, I heard a lot of that kind of stuff over the course of my life, right? It's our excuse for not having compassion. What does the writer of Hebrews say? No, no, love them, remember them as if you were there with them in prison. So we've got to love our brothers and sisters. We've got to love strangers. We've got to love the prisoner. And then we are supposed to love those who are actively being not loved. Those who are being mistreated. Remember them as if you yourselves were suffering. You see this whole list. Basically, the writer of Hebrews says, I've told you how good Jesus is. I've told you how amazing he is. And now all of you people who believe in him, all you need to do is just love everybody. What does it mean to love them? It means you think about their welfare, you minister to their needs, you enjoy their fellowship, and you share your faith with them. Just little stuff, right? Simple things. Love those who are like you. Love those who believe like you. Love those who might not be anything like you. Love those who most people want to punish and forget about. Love those who are so hated that they're being mistreated. Love these people. It's quite a wrap-up, isn't it? It's a lot of stuff here at the end. By the way, you know there's that passage in John that says, they will know we are Christians by our love. The reason why we're being told to love is because so many people's faith is going to be affected by whether they see us love. I told you last week that one of the biggest hindrances to people believing in Christ is that sometimes they get turned off by the church. They see people say they are Christians acting without love, and they say, I don't want any part of that. They see people who say they are Christians acting in a way that is contrary to Scripture, and they say, well, that's just a bunch of hypocrites. Why do I want to spend any time with that? The writer of Hebrews here says, because Jesus is supreme, because we have such a message, let us love so that people will see it and that it can be real. Love the people that are like you, the people that are strangers, the people who are being beaten up, the people who are being jailed and forgotten about. Love those people because this is how you put your faith on display, not to make a big deal out of you, not even to make a big deal out of your church, but to bring focus to God. This is why God does all these miracles that we hear Sid talking about. You talk to a global disciples person, they will tell you story after story after story, the way he's told us, about God being at work. Why does God do that? To draw attention to himself so that people will have the opportunity to get close to God. God uses us and puts us in places where our love can be put on display so that people say, I don't know what you're all about yet, but I want to know, what is it that makes you treat me like this? I was in prison and you came and looked after me. Why? Why did you care about me? You saw that I had a need and, and you helped me. Why did you do that? Because of Jesus. And now they've got something to lean on. Those first four verses, three verses, very good. But we're not going to stop there today. I'm just going to beg of you a couple more minutes because we need to look at verses four, five, and six. These are powerful. Verse four, verse four gets more specific and more particular. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, why was that thrown in there? Here at the end of these 12 chapters of Hebrews, why, with his hand on the door, wrapping up his letter, why does the writer think it's essential to say this? Why did God think it was essential to inspire this to be brought to us even here 2,000 years later? What's the deal? 
Well, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? We're being told that the way that we live our life matters, the way that we love matters. And now we're being told basically that the way that we practice our marriages, that matters too, because people see that. Now, if you want a biblical summary of what Jesus taught about sex, it's basically this. He said, the only setting where it's appropriate and holy is when it happens between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Okay? Everything else is less than. Every other sexual expression is sin. And if a married person messes this up, it's called adultery. If a single person messes this up, it's called sexual immorality. And let us be clear, there is forgiveness for these sins. When we come to God and repent, we can be forgiven of everything. However, there are a lot of people who are living this way in adultery and sexual immorality who are not repenting. And so that brings about God's judgment. And you know what? The community around eventually finds out that it's happening. And if you're a Christian and you're saying, I believe in God, God is awesome and I'm following him. Let me tell you about my faith. If that's your message with your mouth, but your marriage tells them that people can't get along with you, you can't be faithful to anyone, and most of what you're saying is a lie, they're not going to listen. Keep the marriage bed pure. Let there be integrity through all that you're doing. And if that's not enough, Hebrews steps on all the rest of our toes. And it says in verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money. Because some of us sit here and say, hey, I'm loving people pretty well. I'm looking after folks. I've got that. I could check those boxes. My, my marriage bed is pure. We're doing fine. We've got, or, or maybe I'm, I'm even a single person and I've got everything locked in. I am, I am focused on God. There's no sexual immorality here. Fantastic. But while I have you, the writer of Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And right now, a couple of you just choked on your chiclets. Just, oh. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. How are you doing with your contentment, church? I hope and pray that your marriage is blessed. I hope and pray that you are loving the alien and the stranger and your brothers and those who are in prison. And I hope you're praying for those who are being mistreated. How are you doing here on this very clear warning? Keeping your life free from the love of money and being content with what you have why? How is it possible to be content in this world that tells us, get more, get more? Get, how is it possible to be content? Well, it's to, be, it's to remember that God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's a direct quote from Deuteronomy 31. Moses was at the end of his life. He was 120 years old. And the Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses was excited about it, but he wasn't going to get to go there. And so there's a new young general, Joshua, who's going to lead the people there. And the people of Israel are excited. This is what's been promised to them, but they are scared because the people in that land are big and scary and it flows with milk and honey, but we look like grasshoppers to them. Moses said to these people, he said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of those folks for the Lord God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. The message is if you've got God, you don't need anything else. The message is if you've got the Lord, you'll be fine. That's applied in a very interesting way here in Hebrews. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. If you've got the Lord, what else do you need? Now, Americans, that's a hard thing for us to really live with, because we're blessed. I mean, even the poorest of us in this room are blessed. Most of us are not wondering what we're going to eat. We're wondering if we're ever going to be able to stop eating so much. Most of us don't have to wonder, am I going to be able to find work? Although I know it comes and goes. It ebbs. For most of us, it's not, am I going to be able to find work? For most of us, it's, am I going to be able to find the kind of work that I want to do that fits with the schedule that I've got and that pays all the bills that are piling up because I haven't been able to be content with what I had. A lot of us, step into these problems because of our own desires. That's why we're told to keep our desires in the right places. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's why Hebrews 6 can wrap up this little passage and say, say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I can love my brothers and sisters, I can love my 
strangers that are in my life. I can love those who are in prison. I can pray for those who are being mistreated. I can keep my marriage pure, and I can live without being consumed by the love of money. Why? Because the Lord is my helper. I don't have to be afraid. What can anybody do to me? If I've got God, I am richly blessed. This is the message from the first six verses of Hebrews. A lot of this stuff is pretty basic. I'm looking at a lot of you, and you're sitting there nodding your head saying, yeah, I've heard this somewhere before. This makes sense. Jesse, you've even said this before. Wrap it up. I know. But it's important enough for this writer of Hebrews to put it here in the end, even in the midst of this huge letter of doctrine. And so it's important enough for us to consider, and it's important enough for you to go home now. And first of all, tell your kids in the car a story about God's work in the world today. But second of all, that'll take you about five minutes. For the rest of this week, think well about whether you're acting out the love that is talked about here in Hebrews 13. Are you loving the people in your life? Are you loving even the strangers you don't know? I mean, are you open to them this week? Be careful. There may be an opportunity. It's amazing how we talk about these things. And and I'm really fascinated to see how many of you are going to have that random knock on the door this week and some stranger shows up and you know what? You're going to have an opportunity to love them. And I hope you think about this passage and say, instead of saying, man, I'm awfully busy right now, or, hey, I don't know you from Adam. What are you doing? Instead of all that, maybe you can say, can I get you anything? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I make you a call? Can I give you a ride? Would you like a sandwich? All I know is that opportunities pop up all the time. And now we have a reason to dive right in and say, God, you're all I need, and you can be all they need. What are you going to do to put it together? This is the kind of adventure we get to live, you and I. So yeah, keep your marriage beds pure, and and don't get wrapped up in the love of money. But go out and love somebody this week. Do that now, okay? I don't want to waste my time just talking if you're going to go out of here just forgetting. So please remember it and practice it. Let's come back and tell stories about how God multiplies it. Can we pray together? God, thank you for loving us. Lord, you've, you've seen all of our needs and you have worked to meet all of our needs. <laughs> we know this is true because we're still here. God, you know our spiritual needs as well and so you sent your son Jesus Christ so that we could be saved and that we could have life to the full even now. Thank you, God, for giving us good life and for giving us true hope. God, you're so good to us. Help us to remember that you are all that we need. Lord, for those of us who are struggling to love our brothers and sisters, please help us, Lord, and be our supply. Lord, for those of us who are uncomfortable loving strangers, help us to break out of that discomfort. Help us to allow ourselves to be stretched. And Lord, please show us a testimony. Lord, for those who are in prison, I pray that you would watch after them and help us to know if any of us are called to to do something more. Lord, show us your way. We will go where you call us. And Lord, if we see anyone being mistreated and if there's something we can do about it, help us to do it. Not to just be those cowardly people who sit by and say, isn't that a shame? But to be those kind of people who seek peace and actually pursue it. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would watch over and inspire and protect the marriages that are represented in this building right now. Lord, we know how easy it is for us to make a mess of these relationships. And we know how little marriage is valued by by too many people around us. But Lord, help us to be people who place a high value on this and who practice it ourselves. Lord, help those of us who are husbands to really and truly love our wives. Lord, help those who are wives to really and truly respect their husbands. And Lord, help all of our brothers and sisters who are single for one reason or another, help them to find their contentment in you. And Lord, help us to manage our things and not be ruled by them. Lord, all these little one-liners, all these little encouragements, help us to take these to heart 
Not so that we can earn some kind of favor in your eyes, but so that we can just live a good life in service to you, in service to our brothers and sisters around us, and in service to all those who you put in our lives who need to be encouraged to grow closer to you. God, thank you for this time that we've had today. I thank you for, I thank you for Sid and for Tony being here just to, to be able to share what you're doing. I thank you for the ministry that's happening at Waterway 2.5 and in our Sunday school classes this morning, and just for the good conversations around coffee and donuts. Thank you, God. You've blessed us richly. As we go from this place, help us now to be yours and not to just waste this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Make us into more than what we are for the glory of God alone. Amen. Church, it is a blessing to be with you here today. There is a lot of stuff happening in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to be having a membership service here in our 1030 service. Uh, Jessica Carter is going to be joining our congregation, as well as Bob and Carolyn Foster. And so uh, they'll be becoming members in two weeks. As Pastor Steve said, we have, uh, we have an elder selection process. There are three candidates right now, and we'll get you more details, but Anthony Johnson and Ruben